Well, hello and welcome to The Queer Experience. I'm Eric, your host. I use he, they pronouns. And today we are talking about playing tabletop RPGs for the first time. Um, we did an episode a while ago about running a game for the first time. And I thought, you know, we probably should have led with how to play before you run one. But we did them out of order. And now here we are. And so I assembled some amazing tabletop RPG players who are going to talk about some of their experiences. And if we can just, I'll just kind of call you all out and we'll, we'll do some intros. We'll start with, I'm going to start with Chad, if you'd like to start. Uh, yeah. Hi everybody. Um, my name is Chad. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I am fairly new to the world of uh, tabletop, but um, I have been an improviser uh, professionally for about 15 years now. So I have a lot of experience with making things up on the spot, but surprisingly, a lot of difficulty when putting it into this particular format. So I can't wait to talk about it. Nice. Um, and Matt. Uh, hi, I'm Matt. Uh, I also use he, him pronouns. Uh, I'm, I, I feel like I'm relatively new, but I, I guess I've been playing tabletops off and on since like college, which was a um, few years ago. Um, so yeah, no, I, uh, and have played across many different systems and, and have recently transitioned into online tabletop stuff, which is a, another completely different beast. So yeah, uh, fond memories, but pretty seasoned. Um, and Earl. Hi, Earl. Uh, use he, him pronouns as well. Uh, I've been playing tabletop RPGs now for about 10 years, I would imagine. Um, ironically enough, I think more so... During the pandemic, I stopped just because it's a weird commitment in my head to sit in front of a screen for four or five hours, but I'm trying to get back into the groove of it now. Nice. No, and I, I agree. That it, like, the Zoom thing was hard at the beginning of pandemic, of like sitting in front of your, like, let's play a and d session for four hours after I've been on Zoom all day for work. <laughs> yes. Um, and Josh. Hi, um, I'm Josh. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I have been playing tabletops for well, about 10 years now, give or take, um, but still relatively inexperienced. Mostly stick with D&D. I'm starting to branch into some new systems now, which is going to be fun. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I got. Yeah. Jo- Josh has been in some, is just finished up the Curse of Strahd campaign with me. So... <laughs> He knows all about D and D, and and being a part of a wacky adventure. And now we're going to dive into like some indie games, which I think are going to be super fun. Um, so, but yeah. Um, and for me, I I have been playing tabletop games since I think about 2010. So that's math, 13 years. Um. So yeah, I've I've been on the player side. I've been most more recently more on the DM side as a forever DM these days. Um, but I definitely have had my share of games and characters and, and things that I've been a part of. Um, so I don't know who would like to start, but who wants, anyone want to talk about your, what was your first like tabletop adventure or, or entry to, to this world? What was your first game that you did? If you remember. I do. It was Pathfinder three, five. Nice. It was it was Easter Sunday. I mean, I could tell the whole story if you'd like us to. <laughs> go go for it. <laughs> All right. So excited. well, it was Easter Sunday, twenty. Um, and I was working at an Applebee's in a small town. So already a terrible day. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so 
uh, after my shift, uh, I was sitting at the bar having a beer with uh, our expediter at the restaurant, whose name is Elle. Um, and Elle, who is a very close friend, um, we were talking about D&D because it's something Elle liked to do. And I was like, you know, I've never done it. So they look at me and say, well, it's Easter and we're off work and we're kind of drunk. Do you want to play? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so Elle goes to the store and they pick up uh, – a big ham steak because Easter and um, I pick up a six pack of Guinness and we go back to their house and play my very first one shot um, drunk as a skunk. And it, uh, I mean, it ended pretty, pretty bad. Um, Don't kick a summoning circle when you have a celestial in it. Um, You die. Yeah. That feels, that feels like it'd be a bad time. feels like it'd be a bad time. It was a lot of fun, though. Oh my gosh! What about what about other folks? First, first tabletop adventures. Um, so my first one was on stream, um, and it was uh, Monster of the Week uh, one shot, which is a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun, and really kind of felt like trial by fire because this is some not hard to understand, but enough moving pieces that it's a little like there's some like you kind of have to be involved in like character creation and stuff. Um, I, pl- I remember I kind of played like a um, reclusive vampire that had some ab- that had some abilities to talk to animals, and th- I remember the que- like we were trying to solve um, some werewolf murdering that had, had happened. It was really awesome. It was really great, and then I felt like the time flew by, and I couldn't. Re- I was like, I can't remember a single detail about what just happened because we were just so into it. It was really really cool. So a lot of it was a lot of fun. We did it for charity. Um, it was great. Nice. Earl or Matt? Yeah, I can go. Um, so my first experience was with Apocalypse World. And um, I, I mean, we'll get into this later on, but like it was like my comic book shop had like a hobby table downstairs and they were just starting up uh, uh, RPGs and I wanted to do something because I had always want, was interested in it. So I wanted to check it out. Um, I live in New York City, so they used uh, the New York City subway map as kind of the baseline for that world. So it was easy to kind of get the spatial awareness and where you would travel and everything with that. And it was funny. Like I went downstairs, and it's like it's the GM of the game. And then I ended up my first game was with like two twelve-year-old kids and another adult. And the, the playing with the kids for the first time was something that actually really sold me on the game because, like, one of my biggest fears getting into like RPGs is like knowing all these rules and systems and play styles where kids are just like, What can we do? How can we break it? And it was just such a great experience with them being like, You could tell like, the GM really wanted this game to go in one direction. And they had no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> and just trying to keep that guardrail on when they're just like, no, no, no. We are not interested in combat. We're not interested in battle. We just want to figure out what's like in this treasure chest and stuff like that. And like just the chaoticness of it all was really what sold me on like RPGs and like actually trying to figure out new ones as I went along. I love, I love the chaos of two 12-year-olds <laughs> trying to play up any any tabletop game um i recently ran a game that had a 10 year old at the table and like that was i mean they were the, it was a whole family and they were all great i love them they were super fun they're actually friends of of matt's um and i remember the game was damn the man and i literally said the name of the game i was like welcome we're gonna play damn the man and this kid looks at me and he goes that's a bad word and i was like yep sure is <laughs> so i can only imagine 12 year olds like doing a, an apocalypse world vibe like 
Uh, and you Matt, know what? what about- you are right. <laughs> he literally was like, yeah, kid, you're absolutely right. You're not wrong. 100% on the mark. Um, and then he like had the most insightful things to say about like character development. And I couldn't deal with it. Um, if his parents are listening to this, because sometimes they do, your child is wonderful. And that was so much fun to run that game for y'all. Oh, I'm going to make sure um, I, I, I send the link right over as soon as this comes out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, what about you? What was your, um, so I feel like my road to like my first one was very long and I'll just say it started with like, Hey, vampire, the masquerade's a thing. And I never actually played it, but like, I was like, okay, tabletops on the, on, on the board. Um, so like that was my first exposure. Um, but then my, again, weird convoluted way there, uh, my LARP group in college decided one weekend to be like, Hey, have you ever played tabletop? I was like, no, like I, I know about it. I've never really like sat down with dice and played. So we did a one shot at like our weekly get together thing. It was a one shot D and D campaign. Um, probably the one time that I played the D and D system, like the flat out D and D system. Um, but we did like a one shot uh, campaign. They helped me through character creation, um, which I kind of understood. And they were like, okay, if you don't anything, understand anything about the dice rolls, that's fine. We'll help you out. We'll tell you what's what, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I remember being like sort of turned off and sort of turned on because it was like a like a tournament against each other. And I got knocked out two rounds in and sat there and watched the rest of the game, essentially, um, which my friends felt bad about. And it was all fine. But I was like, I want more of this. This is I like this. This. OK, I can do this just maybe in a different realm. Um, and then from there on, it's been chaos since. <laughs> I just I, I want to make sure we go back to the point where you said that you started as as LARPing and then <laughs> rolled your way back to tabletop, right? I feel like usually that's the other direction. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's brought some very unique uh unique insight into how I play compared to other people, which has been fun. But it's it's yeah, it was, I like I said, it was a convoluted road to get there. <laughs> Do you the person that like you're sitting at the table and suddenly you just like actually hit someone with a thing and you're like, oh sorry, I forgot this is this I mean, is that's, not really not... A, that's not like a LARP instinct. That's like a, that's why I'm only allowed to play online with people now. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um. uh, so I feel like my, my very first game was, and I feel like whenever I say this, people are like, and you came back. Um, I started with D and D fourth edition. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always everyone's response. Like, Oh, like I had like, I had cards to try and keep track of like, when could I do that? It was, there was a lot. I had a tiefling magic, something or other, um, because I was a homosexual and it was both tiefling and magic based. And I didn't know that was a stereotype of fulfilling at the time, but I was, um, but it was like a, a, a good friend of like someone who became a really good friend of mine, um, and runs another podcast that I like, I'll pop on over there sometimes, uh, the pot of blunders, um, his, so Nate was my like very first, dm ever and i remember him even being like as we're doing stuff he's like the system is such fucking bullshit i hate this about it but we're gonna have a good time and i was like cool whatever um i didn't know anything and i was excited to do it so but yeah D fourth edition was my first and then i segued over into uh pathfinder for like a good chunk um of the first however many years of kind of playing before i like then started branching out to all this like wild indie stuff that i'm doing now um so that's yeah and i look back on it now the fourth edition stuff and i'm like oh yeah no that was not great that was not 
Um, yeah, I'm really surprised you came back, honestly. <laughs> like, the reason we did Pathfinder my first time around was because Al looked at me and said, you would not understand 4th edition. So just, we're going to start on Pathfinder. I'm getting you a pen and paper. You know how to math, right? Because you're about to math. <laughs> I, my, my saving grace was for my first Pathfinder, some, we had a Google a Google sheet someone had made that you could, like, fill in, and it would auto it would auto math for you. Oh, God. Oh, that, that is was, handy. <laughs> You didn't have to roll oh my drop one. Oh, I could just I could just punch everything in. I was good to go. So I'm curious now. How many people? Like I know my first time was pen and paper. How many people had pen and paper versus like a computer system? Oh, pen and paper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my yeah. my first one was pen and paper. Yeah, so pen and paper. <laughs> okay, because yes, now so I use chat, like, I love the chat. Beyond. Oh, what'd you say? No, I said now I use like D and D Beyond. So, like most of the time, I'm just on my phone with my character sheet up. So yeah. I just love that Chad played his first game virtually and still was doing pen and paper. Like that's... Uh, but I'm I'm a big pen and paper person anyway. Like I know that I could have it all on my screen, but I really had to have something in my hand that was like, yeah, right there for me to be able to like mess around with and like doodle and scratch things out to really feel like I was into it. So, oh, see, I'm the opposite now. I re- I hate pen and paper. Like Eric, the system <laughs> we're doing in a couple weeks here you had to write yep. out the character yeah hated every minute of that um, <laughs> i would much rather just give me something digital i'll type away yeah no we and I, I think like for my like i think for smaller game like if it's a smaller like indie game like like kind of like the one that that josh is used to where i the game that we'll be playing coming up with some friends is the it's called high magic low lives and it's this very funky cool your magic school dropouts living in this like punky kind of world and you hate like it's classism and you're trying to topple the patriarchy and all this like and the aristocracy it's great um fucking wild game but like that one because it's like only like one or two pages of character sheet and there's very little math i have to do i don't mind the pen and paper but like D D, when i have to like fill out the entirety of the sheet absolutely not like give me something digital that i can just like plug some numbers in or click some things and then like something else does all the math for me because i'm a lazy human being. I don't even like to roll the dice anymore. There's a function built in now. <laughs> uh, that um, that so, I can't get rid of. I love rolling the dice. It's such a physical, it's such a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I still, I still roll all my dice. I don't, I don't like digital. I, I want the, I want the odds of me rolling it and then being able to shun my dice. That's true. I do punish dice that are bad. <laughs> um. So one thing I think for, for kind of keeping on, on theme with what, the this episode is aiming for so like think about like your your first time or like early early points in in tabletop were there things that you feel like kept you from playing tabletop games prior to actually like diving into it and like what did what were those things for folks and kind of how did you navigate that um well i i I guess i'll go first since i went last last time um so i i think the, the the thing that kept me from it is sort of something that has helped my philosophies now, um, which is I I love my friends. Oh, throughout history, I love my friends. <laughs> um, but some people, when they, you, you have like a group of people who already do this thing and they sort of like try to pull you in, they sort of like go, okay, hey, so do this. And then with all their experience, they kind of like zoom off without you. And mm-hmm. that was kind of my concern. And that happened a couple of times by accident. Um but that was kind of my concern at the beginning was like, I don't know what I'm going to do and I'm going to hold them back. And, you know, uh, some people handled that much better than others upon 
feel like I've done now that I'm saying it, I feel like I've like had first TTRPG moments a lot. <laughs> Uh, just because different groups, it's like a different, it's like a new thing every time. But like in the original, original thing, it was more of like a, yeah, like I just, I don't know what I'm doing and all these people do. And like, how am I going to keep up? Other, other folks, maybe I'll pop over to Chad. Chad, for, especially because you started in, in pandemic, mm-hmm. did you, was this something that you ever had interest in before and just never like dove, dove into? Yeah, I think I I think it it has always interested me, but the time com- the time commitment to it mm, okay. really really um you know because it was something I kind of came into interest in as an as an, a working adult, right? So I didn't really discover it in a time frame where I would have the ability to actively just have a ton of free time, and so I I was really kind of turned off by that, and I also I, I, which sounds so weird. I was really just nerd, like scared about it. Like there was a lot of like inherent fear about just jumping in, which it seems so silly because it is literally a world where you just make up stuff, but just follow basic set of rules that like, I, I don't know what it was about it, but I was, I think I was really worried about, like you said, Matt kind of messing it up for everybody else or like being like a burden that I just wouldn't even let myself like just jump in. And that, that, Definitely held me back for a long time until really I was kind of introduced to the idea of one shot things where it's like, no, let's just hop in and be here for a couple hours and then we're done. And I was like, oh, that that's a thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because yeah. ca- I know campaign campaigns can go on for like years. years. Like I have I have a campaign that I was in before starting before COVID happened and I eventually bounced out of it during COVID because I needed to take a break from stuff. And that campaign is still going to my knowledge. So you're talking 2018, 2019 to now. And it's still, I think like maybe Dalek playing like once a month, I forget what they're, where they're at these days, but like, yeah, like that time commitment can definitely be like a, a very scary thing. (laughs) And I think sometimes people need with that foot forward where it's like, Oh, you know, like we've been playing this on and off, or like if you sign up, it's gonna sign up like you need to be available like once a month, like a year or something like that. And that was one of the things that scared me off. The other thing was like, I mean, even now, I don't necessarily have a lot of friends uh, that grew up that played RPGs. So it's like trying to find a group, and then you'd find groups, and it's people who've been playing together for years, and you're just like, oh, but they're in the middle of a campaign. They don't necessarily have room for somebody else who's. It was like I said. It was great when I ended up finding the comic book shop, which they they do a lot of one shots, and that had that was my gateway. And I think the other thing, and this was in my head in the time, is like sometimes the ac- the accessibility of it, because like you think about a lot of people are hardcore into it. They got like they got the minis, they got the maps, they got all these dice, and you're just like, oh, it's actually a pretty decent price to start. And you pay, and it's like you just need some dice and a pen and paper, stuff you probably already have around the house. But again, that's not what you sold at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like big people have like, I've seen people's elaborate setups of like, they build literally build like an entire set for their game where it's like, here's like the modules I built. Here's like, you're going to be in this town. I've got the 3d structure in front of you. Um, yeah, I could definitely see like cost, like what, um, perceived cost of entry can feel like when the reality is for a lot of them, you can kind of get by with very little, um, and sometimes it's just a matter of as long as somebody has a and d Beyond account, you're, you know, if you're playing D&D, <laughs> you're good. Um, it's how I have all my content because one of my friends, God bless him, owns everything and just shared with all of us. <laughs> um, so, 
or I think jo- Josh. Yeah, um, I mean, to kind of piggyback off of what everybody said, because it, it's, it's kind of true for a lot of those are kind of the big factors. And they certainly were for me. You know, my, my thought uh, initially when I first started was was definitely very anxiety based. You know, I'm a very high anxious person to begin with. Um, so the idea of like sitting down and using your imagination, which is essentially what D&D is, um, or, or really any tabletop gaming at that point, you're given a pen, paper, some dice and say, okay, go. And I'm one of those people that like to be led a little bit. You know, my creativity uh, pen isn't as full of ink as some other people's. So sometimes, well, not even sometimes. So when I first started, I guess my uh, my biggest real hiccup was, you know, how am I going to build this character? You know, how am I going to build this this whole other individual that I've now just rolled stats for and just made a race and just bid? Now I got to give them a personality. You know, what am I what am I supposed to do? And that's something that you know over the years and I guess once you get in with a group of friends, you know, your character kind of builds itself. But in the beginning, that was probably my biggest anxiety piece, you know, was how, how do I create this thing now? Yeah, no. And that's, yeah, that that's kind of like always the tough part. I think of like, when you're like, you, what, what do I make for my character? And people are like, whatever you want. You're like, that's a lot of options. Yes. <laughs> I need, I need you to narrow it down a little mm-hmm. bit, which I actually think is why like the game Chad started with doing monster of the week to start. Or, or I think maybe even similarly for Apocalypse World, I, I haven't played that one to know if it's similar, but like when you have like, here's 10 playbooks that are your options, you're going to choose one of those. And then you've got some moves list. You check a couple boxes off, call it a day. Like the, the, the kind of level that you have to really craft your character is much more, I don't want to say constrained, but you have a little more of like guidelines on the sides because you can still make whatever you want for a monster of the week, but there's a little bit more like semi-structure to like make it less overwhelming to like have to create something. Yeah. Um, I think for mine, like the biggest, (laughs) my biggest challenge was that I had books and I had stuff and I was ready to play with anyone who would play, but I just didn't have the right group of friends that were like down for it at the time. Like I read through like a D and D manual. I read through, I should think I read through vampire, the masquerade, um, the world of darkness. And is it the, they got a werewolf one. Mm-hmm. No yep. mage. Uh, okay. There's a mage one. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a werewolf one too, but like I read through all those books because like my ex had all of them. And I was like, I want to play this. Um, and it was always like, Oh, I don't know. It's a lot of work. Da, da, da. It was like, God damn it. I want to play a game. Um, so I, like, I feel like I was in that space where like I was ready to go. I just didn't have the right community to kind of do it in turn and like have people that wanted to play just based on where I was at that point. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate like it's, and I, I appreciate like everyone's barriers were a little bit different in different ways. Um, because I think when people, when you ask people to play for the first time, that's everything you all have said are like reasons why people don't want to play. Someone's like, Oh, I don't know the rules. I'll I'll teach you. Like, I don't know how to make a character. Like we'll do it. It's fine. Um, or I don't want a year long commitment. Yeah. Oh, I don't have dice. That's cool. They're digital, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. (laughs) Go to Google, type in dice roller and you will find many. Or, I mean, in my experience, a lot of people just have extras anyhow. They will have no problem giving you a set. Yep. That's a good point. My first set of dice were donated. I've definitely done the convention or the, the, the gaming adventure where you show up at, like, a table somewhere, and you're like, oh, I didn't bring dice. And there's just, like, there's hundreds on the table already, and they're like, we think we've got <laughs> it. 
So, oh, I, my, did, I got a lot of distinct joy about getting my own dice. Like a lot of right? distinct joy about like going and picking them out. And like, I, I was at, uh, I was at Gen Con like a few years ago and I was, I, I didn't use them for at least three years, but I was like, I have my own. <laughs> and then eventually you start the, start the habit where now, like I have like this giant bag of dice that has like way more <laughs> dice than I could ever need. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're mine, and I love them all, except for the ones that roll terribly. I was going to say, <laughs> you need to have that many dice because you have certain ones that are currently exiled and, and yeah. aren't, and, you know. <laughs> so, I guess, like, one thing I'm going to, I'm, like, looking over at, like, our questions, and I think I'm going to veer off a little bit. But, like, for, for all of you, people, list, you know, we've got people listening that potentially have never actually played a tabletop game before. Mm-hmm. What is something that you would tell people or want them to know before they like jumped into their first game. So, I mean, we've been kind of talking about like barriers to entry, all those kinds of things. What's, what's something either you would tell someone now, or maybe something you wish you would have known before you started, before you started playing. It's okay to build a goofy character. It's not that deep. That was probably the biggest barrier I had. And that's if I could look back at somebody now and say, it's not that deep. We're here to have fun. We're not here to, you know, reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So anybody that's listening, when you talk about characters, it's not that deep. Our last episode that dropped, it was called the dethrone, the divine last week. Um, well, and we're recording before all of this drops. So these people don't know any of this that I'm about to say, but if you want to talk about characters that are not that deep, we had a sentient public access puppet. That was a demigod. We had a French puss in boots cat. buttons the swimming cat and we had a mix we had a we basically had a space drag queen it was a barbarella meets dazzler with more sparkles playing this game so when you talk about it's not that deep i promise you (laughs) you can never be more ridiculous than someone else that's come before you um what about for other folks other things that well, I, and I, th- I think kind of going off of that, what what Josh said, um, I I feel like ha- don't be afraid to have like that discussion with whoever you're sort of like planning this with or whoever invites you to to be like, hey, so what kind of game is this? Hey, so because like some people feel like if they're asked and I know I at with a couple of groups have in the past felt like when I'm asked. I'm like, okay, whatever you're going to do, like, cool. Yeah. Like I know you guys like whatever, but like, don't be afraid to ask questions about like, Hey, is it possibly going to be that deep or is it not? Because like everyone's there to have fun, but everyone's version of fun is different. And if your version of fun doesn't line up, no, you're not going to have fun. Um, And it's just going to bring your anxieties to life. Um, So like, definitely don't be afraid to have like a quick discussion of like, Hey, like, can you give me a rundown? Like, what are you looking at? What's the tone, et cetera, et cetera. Cause like the worst thing that's going to happen is your friend and you are going to decide that maybe this isn't the right game for you, but like, Hey, at least you gave it a shot or you might just find like a whole new thing that you want to try out. So. Yeah. And I think kind of echoing off of that, I think one thing for new players, if you have, especially if you have things that are triggers for you or have things that are like areas that you don't want to go, Knowing that, like, if you have a good DM, and I will say this, that, like, if, you're, if your DM is a good DM and you ask about safety tools, they should have an answer. Yeah. Um, 
And so, and for anyone like safety tools are just like, how are you supposed, how do you let the DM know that something is going into territory? That's not great. Um, some people I've, I've played with D- DMs before that have literally had me fill out forms. Um, for anybody who's listening to our pod and has listened to other episodes, every actual play that we do, I have a form that people fill out to let me know what their boundaries and what their li- like, what their lines that they don't want to cross are. Um, so I think that's something kind of building on Matt is like, find out the tone and, and depending on what the tone is asking, like, okay, so like, what are the, like, what are the safety tools in place? Or how do I know that I will have a good time if something comes up that's uncomfortable? Um, and, and be able to have some of those conversations. Like if you're somebody who doesn't like spiders and you don't want to deal with spiders, make that known because if it's going to take away from your experience, it's better to talk about it than to like have it pop up in a game and then have that ruin the game and the, the experience for you. Yeah. And that, and that was something, something I learned very recently, uh, about was, uh, something called session zeros mm-hmm. where yeah. folks get together with a group with the whole group who's going to play. And they're like, Hey, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about character creation. Let's talk about those things that are possibly going to trigger you or content that you don't want to see and like how to handle that in the moment so that everyone's comfortable. And I've, the past couple of campaigns that I've played, I again, just learned about this and it's been smooth sailing for those. Um, and it just brings the discussion to everybody. So. That's a really, really good idea. That's something yeah. that, you know, in, in games that I've played in, I've, I've never run a game, but games that I've played in that that's really not, I mean, Eric, I think maybe we did it for Strahd, but it was so long ago. I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, and we've, but like, we did it for another one. We did it for another one that we were going to, one of the homebrews we were going to do. Right. We had one. I don't think you fully, I didn't call it that, but we had it. You're right. You're right. Um, but that's, that's such a, a, a beneficial thing that, that, you know, I definitely would yeah. love to see more in the community for sure. Just kind of piggyback off of all that. Um, what about uh, Earl or Chad? Uh, what I was going to say, and I don't mean this as a site against D&D at all, is that I, I, I wish that I had known there's a, there's a ton of types of RPGs that aren't necessarily fantasy-based. Like, if you don't necessarily like fantasy, if you don't like this huge rule system, we've had horror, we have Sentai, you've got action movies, you've got after-school programs. I've been, you know, like, we've, played, we've all played the same character, different parts of the character's personality, or personas, or voices in their heads. There's a world of genres and mediums and different types of games for you to go out and explore and enjoy so if you have an interest it might be a gateway for you that it's like very easy for like oh i can understand this concept because i understand the 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 game outside of it like i found a pro wrestling one and that system made a ton of sense to me because i watched it i you know i'm a huge fan of the real world and i got trying out to D &D, i'm like okay i get how this works now yeah no i i definitely echo that like if you have an interest there is a tabletop game oh, yeah. that is connected mm-hmm. to that interest, whatever that interest is. 100%. Um, it's literally how I wrote people and I'm like, oh, you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Let me introduce you to Monster of the Week. Mm-hmm. It's this very Buffy supernatural adjacent. Um, or like we've run Slasher Flick for the pod. And I know, uh, Earl, Earl, I know you played that with us um, yeah. prior to like prior before we started the pod. <laughs> that was my, my test group to make sure I could do editing and everything else. <laughs> There's an, un- there's an unreleased episode from Days Gone By. <laughs> I actually have um, the notes for that right here, by the way, yes. so on my desk. Because like again, like there's too. there's a lot of entry points that if you're like, but I don't want like a big fa- sprawling fantasy epic campaign. There's so many options. Um, uh, Chad, what about you? Um, I'm not a reader, so please remember YouTube is your friend. Like I, that was one of the best ways that I 
was like you I, I even you know even a one shot sometimes is still like 30 some pages of mm-hmm. in-depth material that it that somebody has created a content for <laughs> and i was like oh yeah i could just turn that on i don't even necessarily have to watch it i can listen to it like while i'm working or something like that and then i could watch it later but i just wanted to just, I, like i think i got really caught up in like trying to have understand all of the paperwork piece of it when in reality nearly every I can't think of a single system or a single one shot that somebody probably hasn't done their own coverage on that. Somebody hasn't done their own content on and somebody hasn't done some sort of how to that would, would help you in a, a way that I'm significantly more comfortable listening or watching. Yeah. And same thing with, with, especially with Twitch and, and streams and YouTube, like if somebody, like if there's a system you're interested in, there's a good chance someone's run an actual play of it. So right. not only can you like learn how to, kind of build a character and do a thing you can actually like watch some people or listen to people play the thing that you're potentially interested in um which can also be helpful i've used that for like trying to suss out some different like games that we may or may not want to run for the pod and i've gone and found actual plays people have done and watched them for a little bit and been like oh this this does hit the niche thing that i'm looking for this does sound like it would work and some that i've been like ooh, i like this in concept but i don't know if it would work and translate well to what we're trying to do um just based on like being able to listen to like how how they ran it um so that's a great way if you're trying to get some flavor of of things as well i know those are a little bit harder because they're like three to four hours but if you got the time um it's always good to kind of you know give that a give that a run um so for for you all as players when when you're looking at maybe new games or new things to jump into, are there things that you all look for as like a player in either maybe like the group you're playing with or like the system game itself that makes you want to dive in or not? I know I'm going like way off script of our questions <laughs> that I wrote. I would say uh, for me, uh, I really like unique concepts and i also really appreciate simple systems that are just like it either hits or it misses it either does this or it does that because to me that takes a lot of the guesswork out of the everything else and then you can just lock in lock and load and play as much as you want like you can just really because you don't have to be constantly thinking about well how how does this attribute affect this that and the other like yes there's plenty of time and places for that but i i really am drawn to some of these simpler uh mechanics they're a little easier to digest because then you can play around in the system a bit more without having to be so concerned about messing it up i guess uh, i yeah. i think that for me that's kind of where i land yeah and that like that echoes like your first experience with monster of the week like that's very you roll 2d6 dice it like has like two or three spots where it's like this number means you did it. This number means you kind of did it. This number means you didn't do it. Um, so that's, yeah, it gives you that kind of like very, as opposed to like D and D where it's like you roll a dice, you add seven different modifiers. Does it hit? Does it not hit? If it does hit, you have to roll extra dice. Um, yeah. What about, um, I'm going to go over, I'm going to go over to, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go to Earl. Well, I was going to echo a lot of that stuff as well, where it is, for me, a lot of it is the system. I prefer the much simpler ones where, like you said, there's like a succeed, maybe you succeed, maybe you don't succeed, and outright failure. It's very easy to understand that concept of like, 
there's three options that can really result from that. And how do we pay it out once that happens? And then I guess the second thing, and which I got you know, into once I got into tabletops was really just kind of finding those new and exciting things that were different. The ones that um, made you think different, you were paid different types of characters. Like I remember one where we, where we were a bunch of like defect toys in a toy shop. And like, that's a concept, again, it's very Toy Story-esque, but it's also very much like, this is new, this is interesting. This is not something I've seen before. Like not just in RPGs, but it's like something you don't see in video games or other mediums. I'm like, I was very drawn to that. And then the ones that connect to stuff that I have interest in, like we did Monster of the Week, we did um, the Sasha Frick, where it's like, yeah, I love horror movies. How does this translate to an RPG? I want to see how this works. And that's what intrigues and uh, brings me in. And then Josh? Um, well, you know, to kind of piggyback off of what Chad and, and what Earl said, uh, I, I definitely, the simplicity of the system is definitely something that is a hamper. But I would add on there the familiarity of the system. Like, we all know 5th edition is not the easiest system. There's modifiers and there's things, but it's a familiar one, right? If any mm-hmm. of our friends said, hey, let's play this one shot in 5th edition, you know, build yourself an 8th level character and go, as much as that system may be complicated, we know it, you know, or, and it doesn't necessarily have to be 5th edition, right? It could be whatever 5th edition is to you. Um, but, you know, um, the other side of that, and I think that for me, it's more of a, just how my personality is, is I, I look for, the systems and the games that are going to be more on, on the fun side, they're not going to be so serious, so deep because there are so many of them out there that are, you know, really all I want to do is make a himbo and have him laugh for a little while, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, my favorite, the favorite character I have made over the last five years and Eric, you missed it. It was with, um, a group that I run with normally with Eric and it was a, a gnome named Bibble McJibble. And I mean, we spent four hours just busting a gut and it was, probably top five best sessions i've ever run sorry eric but (laughs) (laughs) all right but like that to me that's that's what draws me in i want to laugh for three or four hours you know our our days are so stressful in our work lives we're all adults and you know it's just this is this is what we do to cut loose so i want to cut loose what about for what about for you matt i know we've talked about many uh, tabletop games that you've both of us have been like looked at and tried to like decide on what games we want to play and run. So what, what is it that always like, what, when you're making that decision, what like pulls you to like, go, yes, this is the one. Um, God, I'm, I'm such an easy sell on these things too, which is a, a thing. Um, like I have my genre preferences and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, if, if, if I gel with the system, I agree. I think that you need to gel with the system, whether it's complicated or simple. I found more joy in simple ones lately, just because, I'm not a rules. I'm not a, like a, a big convoluted rules person. Um, but to go a little bit off of that as well. Um, I, I, a couple of things about the, the group of people that I'm playing with um, becomes important. Like having a group that understands that failure doesn't mean it's the end of the game. It just means you're collaborating. And that's a huge thing for me is collaboration. I need to work with people who understand it's a collaboration, not a contest. Um, and that makes it more fun for me. And that makes it more like, I know that I like a balance of being able to have like those role play moments of like, it doesn't have to be like super earnest all the time, but like even with pot of blunders and stuff, which me and Eric have shown up on a couple of times together. There's sometimes those moments where like you have a moment where you go, Oh, these characters connected. And then you're like, 
okay, cool. Now we're going to go be goof offs and, and do our thing and move on. And then there's also the rules of like using those abilities that you put into your character, because why make the character otherwise? So like, I know that I like a balance of that stuff too, but it really comes down to like rules aside, the having a group of people who understands it's a collaboration and you're in it together to like make a really fun story and a cool story, whether it is all successes or a ton of failures and you're exiling your whole bag of dice that night. <laughs> We've, we've all had those games where, like, just literally no dice roll went well through the entirety of the game somehow. Um, so I will, I mean, and I, I don't know how many people have played them before, but have, have any of you done GM-less games? Mm. Yes. Earl has? <laughs> I was going to bring up Fiasco, yes, I was going to no. Fiasco, which is one of my favorite early experiences. Uh, just having a game where everybody's just kind of, there's no, there's no, no captain, so it's all chaos. I, again, I have the chaos of it all. I have the nature of like a bunch of humans getting together and just trying to make something cohesive and five different agendas, five different people wanting to do their own thing and just having it be pulled in every different direction. And I forget, I think it was like we were in an office and we were all trying to get promotions. And I mean, if you've been in an office, you know the politics of that in general are rough. So you add in the chaos of like, Yes, this is a game now where you're all kind of getting out of all of those inhibitions that you can in your actual world type. Um, and I've, I've actually tried to find out of GMS games because I do find them very fascinating. I also think they're very good for, not necessarily for beginners, but it's easier for people to kind of understand like you, this is kind of improv. This is partially just like, there is a system to it. There is some dice rolling and stuff like that, but it's also just kind of fun. You're here. We're here to make each like you know, like Josh said, to make each other laugh, to have a good time, to kill three or four hours, to kind of forget about the world outside for a little bit. And it's really nice when it's like that, you know, like as somebody I'm sure you've been on both sides. Sometimes the GM has that thankless role of being like, No, no, you folks need to kinda of get back on. You have this mission here, you know, we, we came to do this we got like fifty minutes, we gotta wrap it up soon, you know, you gotta do something. It's like, no, with this it's like you still have those constrictions, but you don't have that one person who then has to kind of be the party pooper sometimes. <laughs> And it's just, it's I, I find them so so fascinating. Look into human psyches and connections and dynamics. Yeah, no GMless games. Like I've run a well, I, I was I, I've run a couple. I have played in a couple because I didn't run them because they were GMless. Um, but like they're so fascinating to me because I think they really hit it. What Matt was saying about like that super collaborative nature of playing together. Um, and like I played a, there was one that we played called Comes to the Cost, where you play as like a coven of witches, and all of your spells come like you can cast whatever spell you want, but it comes at a price. Uh, that was the name. Comes with a price, not comes with a cost. Comes with a price. And when you when I if like I was casting a magic spell to do something, the person to my left then got to determine what the cost was. That's really so it might, cool. So it might be like, oh, like the crops in this field are dying. I will cast a spell to make the crops flourish. And then maybe the cost was that the river dried up that mm. used to like water the crops. And like, that was so much fun for the four of us. Cause we literally got to like bounce and like everyone kind of like framed a scene. So you had that moment of like you, someone was kind of GMing, but not really like all you had to do is come up with the kind of the, the concept, but your character was still there. You were still playing. Um, but it was a lot of like fun collaborative moments where we really got to like, be wacky my character ended up in a sleeping beauty type coma at the end of it because i cast a spell to bring someone else out of a coma and the cost turned out to be i took her place um so that was a fun way to end a game 
<laughs> but I do think that's something for folks to think about when you're thinking about games and looking at stuff that like GMless games are definitely, a, a, there's a lot more of them. And I think some of them have levels of accessibility because the, the systems have to be easy to navigate because there's no rules master to like enforce things. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I also recently played a game kind of similar um, called Lamplighters, where there's no GM, it's you and a table and you're drawing a festival based on dice rolls. So you roll the dice, mm. that determines what each lamp is, and then you have to build the path. Like, you just have a big sheet of parchment paper, some Sharpies, and some dice. That's all you do. And then the number of the dice corresponds to, corresponds to like, the type of lamp you have to, like, the theme of the lamp. Um, so, like, say the dice falls on a 10. And that means that that lamp has to represent dying. So you have to draw, like, I don't know, some, a, a lamp that would represent dying. And it's all collaborative as a group. You as the group are sitting there deciding. And there's there's nobody to lead the game. There's, you know, and it just, you know, it, it kind of does push in that full collaborative spirit that Earl was saying on that GMless game. It just, it, it makes the game a lot more inclusive, especially for a first-timer. Yeah. Um. Well, thing I, I want to I want to hit on. I think it's I think I put this somewhere in our questions. <laughs> um, is for for everybody were there? Talk to me about like maybe one of your favorite game favorite moments in tabletop gaming. Doesn't have to be from your first game, but what is like one of your like this was such a joy, such a moment. It, we had a good time, and I like it will never leave my brain. Kind of thing. Well, um, to kind of pick on a point that we made earlier, uh, I think Matt made this, is like one of the things I wish I'd known early on is like failure is actually sometimes really fun in RPGs. And one of the very first games I ever ran, uh, most of my players got captured aboard a boat and they were trying to break out and the dice roll were just not going their way. So somebody had like a bomb making ability and they made the bomb successfully, but nobody could actually hide it and get off the boat. It's like the entire party wiped themselves out. And that was just one of those moments that stayed with me. <laughs> because it's like, we all had a ton of fun. Because like, they're all trying something to get out of this room without the bomb. And nothing went their way. And I'm trying, there's only so much you can do as a GM. <laughs> but I'm trying everything I can to get them. Like, they all got two chances and everything. But it's like one of those moments that sticks with you. And they, you know, at the end of it, we all kind of, you know, we had that breakdown session afterwards you kind of decompress you kind of go over like what worked and what didn't work you had a ton of fun with it but it was like one of those things where it's like it taught me like yes failure can sometimes be a ton of fun dramatic and tense but the dice are not always your friend yep sometimes the dice are just straight up dicks and you're like (laughs) how is it possible to roll this many ones in an hour um i'm gonna look over it in a row uh chad what about you any moments that really stand out in your in your memory um we i'm trying to remember i I can't remember what the one shot was called but we were all (coughs) basically different um we were basically like all different kind of mythological teenagers so like minotaur like like a you know a gorgon that kind of thing but they were all like at least we established them to be like all like of legal age so they could like proceed through these like weird romances at summer camp and we got so involved in it and this was like a charity this was a charity one shot we did um the (laughs) the 
DM kind of had to, they had to like force the, like a fight on there because we were so involved in these, like this basically mythological Dawson's Creek that had, had happened in front of us that like, (laughs) it was so delightful. And we were like, so invested in these characters. Like it was like, almost like, uh, like the movie American Pie. Like they were all just desperately trying to get it laid. Like it was so ridiculous. And they finally had to be like, there is somebody trying to stop you. Like we're going to, like, Basically, we took our like break in the middle, and then we're like, "Okay, we have to, we have to move forward with the story." I know we're having a great time. I just remember being really overjoyed. I was like, "I don't care if we ever find anything." So, <laughs> <laughs> let's see, Matt or Josh. Um, so I I, I had a, a lesson in a game that that was one of my favorite moments. Um, where I I learned how to put my trust into into my GM. Uh, who I had been gaming with for a little while, which like sometimes just letting con- control go is a is can be a blast. Um, but we we started this game, and long and short of it, it was like, okay, the GM was like, okay, you guys make these characters. Uh, they're all uh, military or ex-military, which is not my my thing. That's not my like wheelhouse. It's not my. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't really like, I'll try this out. I'm willing to try anything. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick with it, but I'll, I'll do your thing. He was like, trust, just trust me. Just trust me. Um, a couple of sessions, like a session or two in and suddenly like our base of operations, like we, we all get, we all got together. We started the missions, whatever. And then our base of operations gets taken over. There's all the supernatural shit. I'm suddenly a psychic and it's like an X-Files game instead. And I was like, oh, oh, you were going for a very different thing than you prepped me for because you wanted to give us a twist. And now we're all like supernatural investigators and none of that other stuff really matters as so much as what's going on now. And it was like such a very cool twist in the way that he handled it. And like, it was kind of nice to be like, okay, I have I have faith in you. This is going to be a good time. And like, it paid off triply. And I, it was probably one of my favorite campaigns I've I've been in. So that's awesome. Um, I guess my, I mean, I have, I have several, if I could think of like fun campaigns or fun moments in campaigns, different systems and games. Um, I think the, my favorite was a one shot I did at a convention. Um, and the game, this, the game was called Tokyo masks. And the whole premise was, uh, you guys are all action movie stars, but not quite good enough to get into the action movies. So you fight crime in like local Tokyo. Um, it, I mean, and so, I mean, you could tell just now just how ridiculous it got. Um, my character was Cumberbund Bendersnatch, um, which Perfect. any millennial knows is um, Bendertooth Cumberbatch, right? That's his name. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That's it. And his, his like special power, like the system was very easy. It was just roll a D20, success or fail. And his, his uh, special power was, um, inspiring monologue. <laughs> so <laughs> my GM surrounds all of us with like putties or mooks or, you know, just bad guys that are, you're, you're going to take down. Mm-hmm. And so we, do... <laughs> so he goes, all right, Cumberbun, you're up. And I had to roll and give off cuff, just an inspiring speech. Um, which, as I said earlier, I'm not really the most creative, um, but being put on the spot, uh, the DM like walked me through it the whole time, which 
was a lot of fun. And by the end of it, we had everyone in tears. And to this day, it's been like six years since we've played. I still have people from that game call me Cumberbund just because. <laughs> 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 like, I did like a fake British accent and everything. It's terrible. But. <laughs> oh, I try to think. I think. I feel like I'm like going through my head and I was like, my favorite moments end up always being the ones where I was DMing, which is not the theme of this episode. Um, I So I had, this was back in my Pathfinder days. I had a gnome. I think they were a wizard because they're always magic based. It was a wizard or a sorcerer um, named uh, Halungalum. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what was it? I'm so, yeah, can you was, say that again? Halungalum. Okay. <laughs> and there was an, there were like, and they were just like this anxious, like naive little creature, and I loved them. And there was a scene where like the the DM had like this barmaid trying to hit on him, but he wanted none of it. Like he was just like overwhelmed at the idea that like someone was hitting on him. And then like the barmaid's like father like jer- like burst into the room, and it was supposed to be this whole thing. And my character just freaked out, blinded everybody in the room, and then ran out. <laughs> at full speed <laughs> my dm is like what are you doing i was like i don't know i have anxiety <laughs> i was like I, I i cast something that was like a blinding spell and i literally blinded the entire room and he's like what do you do i was like i'm fucking running he's like where are you running to i was like i don't know i'm just going <laughs> that's great <laughs> like I don't know, like I love those like moments like for me like it's it's the like yes the battles are fun yes like fighting is fun and all that but like just like the absurdity of moments like is always what gets to me that same campaign we ended up in a house full of like they were called haunts and they were just like basically these things that like you touch them or if you like triggered it in some way you rolled a saving throw and if you failed you basically died like it was very high stakes and I was fully prepared. I was like, my I was like, Halungalum is not making out out of this. I love your little body. But you're gonna die. And somehow he managed to live through all of it. Um, one of our characters did technically died. He was a barbarian who was raging, came out of rage, and because of all the temporary hit points he had accumulated in raging, he dropped so far below the threshold of being negative hit points that he full died, like just instant death when he came out of rage. Um, but the DM was very kind and uh, made like some sort of moment with a deity who like brought the character back, um, which is very sweet. And it is something for folks playing games like this. If you get into a bigger campaign, that's always a question to ask too about how your DM approaches character death. Like, is that on the table? Is it something where like maybe you'll just like get knocked out during a session? Because I I can say one very frustrating and challenging thing about being a new player is when you put all this effort into making a character for the first time and then they die three sessions in. And so like yeah. that, that can be very frustrating <laughs> um, to know, like to again, have that all just all that work feel like it was for nothing. Um, so having those conversations isn't a bad thing to just ask about like, so like if my character dies, what does that mean? Um, I always had like four backups ready to go because that's just who I am as a person. <laughs> but mm-hmm. If that's not your style and you're very attached to your character, like talking that through isn't isn't always a bad thing. Um, all right. I know we're, we're kind of hitting our, our point of time of like wrapping up a little bit. So I'm just gonna, like I'm going to leave it open, open ended kind of final thoughts around advice you would give players 
coming to the table for the first time. And we've done it a little bit in some other questions, but like what's something you would like tell a player why they should play play a tabletop game and get over their whatever their barriers to entry are. You and I will just put like, someone up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say, no, that's okay. I, I didn't realize, but um, <laughs> I guess my point is, is you don't know if you're going to like it until you try it, but you'll never know unless you try it. And that's, that's kind of like, that was the thing that, you know, went through my head when I was having anxiety about the first time I played, you know, was, was, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not, but I won't know until I do it. And I, I think any first time player that that should be the first thing they should think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that could count for system for the just tabletops in general. You don't know. Um, for anybody who lives in my, who's been in my discord, you all know that like we play some really weird fucking games sometimes because I just want to try shit out. <laughs> And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't, but like, you don't know. Um, all right. I'm going to look at, I'm going to, Matt, what do you got? Um, you know, it's so funny because I had it. And then as soon as you said my name, it, it just it fell just, out of my head. Boop. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, shoot. All right. You, you think for a minute, you think for a minute, <laughs> yeah. Earl, Earl, what do you got? I would say I think it is one of the best creative outlets um, out there right now um, because you can be a person who gets to craft an entire world if you're into it. You can craft a character that's unique, a character that's very much like you or a character that's very different than you, mm-hmm. a character that's somewhere in between. You can have, like, you've had characters who are humorous. You can have characters who are very stoic and very dry. <laughs> you can give amazing epic speeches. Uh, like, I, you know, I remember when we played um, the Sastrophic one, and my character ended up being a bad guy halfway through for some reason. <laughs> it, made, it made sense, but it's like, again, it was not what I intended the character to be, but like, these characters gave birth to themselves as you play it. They, they can start off one way. And to see how they change and evolve with like the other, how they interact with other players in the world around them is such a, such a great experience. And I really wish at least once you had that character, and even in a one shot, and see how they evolve from what you think they're going to be to what they end up being when you actually play them. Yep, that game was so much fun. I was so mean. Oh, <laughs> so good. So for anyone listening, this game we played, it was we the killer was going after people, whatever. And my mechanic that I built in was that at some point I kept everyone pretty separated throughout the game. And then we got to a critical point and I was like, okay, who's the killer? Like it's someone in your party who's the killer. And I had everyone vote and they all voted for Earl's character because Earl's character was just fucking weird and creepy. (laughs) Documentarian (laughs) filming all of these murders happening. So, sorry, he's like Earl. the guy from uh, what is that movie, American Beauty? Yep. <laughs> who's like with the camera, and that was the idea behind him because he's like a film student who just wanted to capture the experience. And it's like, yes, he's kind of detached and very psychotic. And it's like, even when I started the game, that wasn't intentionally how I wanted to play him, but it just always ended up that he didn't want to be in the action. He's just like, I'm gonna hang back and just see what happens. And it's like, yes, you keep on doing that, and it does come off very weird to other people after a while. Uh, it was such a good moment and I appreciated Earl as a player because Earl just rolled with it and was like, yep, absolutely. I'm a murderer. I did it. <laughs> um, all right, Matt or Chad. Okay. I do remember. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to give you space if you do. No, no, it, 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 it took me a second. Um, I get, I, if I had to go back and tell my, my little like not t- tabletop RPGing self, like how to get into it, 
don't be intimidated by the experience of the people who are there with you. I mean, set your boundaries and do what you need to do, but learn from that experience because those people know what the games are about and they know what, especially with like, if they've been doing the medium and especially if it's like, you know, everything seems like it's something that's going to be really cool with. And that's the only thing that's holding you back is like, Hey, I'm just worried that I'm going to hold these folks back. I, I, whether they ran off without me or not, groups that I was with were always very understanding and they very much tried to help me grasp things to the amount that I was willing to, but just be willing to learn from that. If it's something that you want to do, it's not something that like you have to sit there and study and, and do hundreds of hours of research into, but like try to try to flip that fear into like, Hey, help me embrace me. <laughs> Maybe not like physically, but like whatever you're comfortable with. Right. All right, Chad, what do you got? I think if I had to sell somebody on this, I would encourage them to make sure that they spend the time being somebody else and not your like really, truly like kind of spend that time to be somebody that you're not. Uh, because it's really easy to create a character that's just you in a fantasy world. And while that's easy to play, it's kind of, you know, it's actually less easy than just being somebody totally out of left field, you know, like you can uh, really kind of, like at that point, you really can can't let any, any inhibitions go because you just are now you're a tiny elf and you are stealing things. And you know what I mean? Like you are just literally, you're literally something that you're not at, at all. Like, you know, so if you're, I, I can be pretty um, introverted at times. Um, it's like when in my private spare time. So I always try to play characters that aren't that because I will not talk sometimes during um, sessions. And I want to make sure that I'm like actively participating because I, I, I'll i be one of the first to let a more advanced person or more experienced person drive the car because I like to just be a sidekick. But they don't want to do that all the time. I wouldn't want to do that all the time. So you just, you know, get out of your comfort zone, play somebody totally different. I think my, I think the thing that I would tell folks is you don't have to know all the rules in order to be at the table. And I promise you the DM or the GM running the game probably also doesn't know all the rules and that's perfectly fine. I still fuck up attacks of opportunity in whatever system I'm running. I don't know why it doesn't click in my brain. Pathfinder made it very complicated and I didn't understand it. So I just stopped trying. Um, so if you're, if you're, if your anxiety is about overwhelmingness of, of rules, but you want, you're like, I want to do D and D. I know it's so much fun. Ask your D like talk to the DM and say, what do you, what do I need to know in order to get to the table? And they'll probably just tell you like, go here, make a character. We'll explain things as you go. Like if you try to do something and you're like, I want to climb this tree. What do I need to roll for that? They'll tell you. Um, I think there's this like preconceived notion that you have to show up being like, okay, I'm going to climb the tree. Let me roll my acrobatics. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I know everything so intricately, um, but the way that technology is and just the way that the system is like, if you have someone using something like D and D beyond, when I run it for my players, I can see everyone's character sheet. So if I, if someone doesn't know a certain spell, they don't know what something is. I literally just look at their character sheet and help figure out what it is that they're trying to do or what the rules on that thing are. Um, so I know like for the bigger games, like, like a, a D and D or a pathfinder, et cetera, like the barrier to entry is always rules and it's, it's too much to know. And the, the very end of the day, 
you don't actually have to know them. Um, and maybe it's a hot take. I don't know. It feels like a lukewarm take. Like, you don't actually have to know the rules. As, as like a seasoned 10 plus year DM, I promise you, we're making it up just as much as you are at times. Like, it's fine. Um, so I think that that's like, th- that's my big thing is again, a lot of people, it's, it's the rules aspect of it that I think gets them. Um, okay. I've got one, I've got one last question. I'm going to pose to all of you before we do like socials and whatnot. So my question is going to be, if you could recommend a game or a system for a first time player, what would you recommend? Yeah. I put you all the spot. Mm-hmm. No one can see it, but they all look very anxious. Like, oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I I'll go first because I always recommend any Power by the Apocalypse mm-hmm. games for people because I think that system tends to be very kind of beginner friendly. Mm-hmm. It's an easy enough system to understand, and kind of to your point earlier about character creation, like it tends to be like you're more building out of archetypes and then picking traits that they already have instead of like trying to figure out moves and specials. It's like you have like six options, you can pick three of them. You know, like how do, they dress like this, they tend to have these types of names and stuff like that. And again, this isn't all of them. But the ones I've played tends to be very straightforward in character creation, and just the mechanics are very like. Again, it's like success, failure. Something might happen. Something may not happen. Yeah. Um, I would say for a first time, I would want to prioritize experience over system. So, you know, if it's a new player, you want them to have a strong emotional response to whatever it is that they're sitting in on or playing for the first time. So I would almost go with something even simpler. Um, For example, uh, there's a game that I've played a few times now called Dread. Um, It is a tabletop RPG with no dice, but a Jenga tower instead. Now, Mm. it, as a system, is very anxiety-producing, very agita-producing. However, it is a game that promotes a very strong emotional response. I mean, by the end of the game, everybody's against the wall like this, and nobody breathes. Um, (laughs) And PvP in it is even worse. Um, But... uh, you know, I I would definitely say for a first-time player, find the game that, you know, whether you know the system or not, kind of hearkening back to what you said, Eric, uh, the rules are kind of secondary. Find one that you think is going to provoke that strong emotional response from you that, that is going to hook you in and go, wow, I can't wait to play this again. Yeah, and as someone who's played Dread many a time, yeah. uh, <laughs> so one, character, char- character creation is easy. You get a list of questions, you answer them, and then you're playing the game. Um and I've never, I have never played a better game of Jenga than when I have played Dread. Huh. Um, I've played it at conventions, and literally we had people gathered around our table because of how massive the tower got. Until the point where there's a one of the mechanics is if, if you if you pull the block and the tower falls, then you fail whatever you're doing. But if you intentionally knock the tower over, you die or you fail. But all like or the the thing succeeds, but you go down in like a blaze of glory. It's heroic sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. So one of our players literally like people are standing around the table, cheering, screaming every time we pull blocks, not really realizing we're playing a role-playing game. And then out of nowhere, our friend Liam just takes his hand and knocks the table over or knocks the (laughs) the tower over. And I thought everyone was going to murder him. Like not us players, the, the crowd around us. Yeah. It was so ridiculous but that one is that the tricky thing with that one is you got to be in person 
because you can't replicate a Jenga tower in an online setting, no matter how hard you try. It's true. It's true. Um, all right, Matt or Chad. I would say my go-to is if you're looking for a fun one shot to get, like you get your feet wet. Um, Honey Heist. Uh, mm. It is literally two pages. <laughs> it is. It is. You are. You're a criminal, and you are a bear, and that is it. You can do criminal <laughs> activities, or you can do bear activities, and everything else you get to make up. But you and whoever you're playing with, you are trying to steal something important. You figure out what that is through the setup, and then you're just in it. You are just four or five different bears trying to steal a thing. And if you focus too much on being a bear, you go crazy and attack people. You focus too much on being a criminal, you turn on your party. Like it's like so you really have to just balance bear activities and crime. It's pretty it's pretty ridiculous and super simple. It is just you don't you just need um, regular d6 kind of dice you're just rolling those very easily it it is the most ridiculous fun that i've had while i was still getting my feet wet to just be like all right yeah you're just criminal bears let's see what happens did you mean bear necessities ah i did mean that but i didn't say it (laughs) funny enough in the episode that we just aired last week that was the name of a bear leather bar that my players ended up at Best bear leather bar. <laughs> the bear necessities. <laughs> where Barioki was taking place. Oh, all right, Matt, what do you got? How do I follow up bear necessities and Barioki, Eric? How do I? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, I'll make it quick, but I'll make it multi-layered. Uh, yes. I, I, agree with, I agree with Earl as far as mechanically, if you're looking for something sort of simple, but sort of like semi-involved that can be a good jumping off point to go into um, other systems and stuff, powered by the apocalypse. A lot of those games are very simple. They have very guided character creation that you can like be as creative as you want with. And I think that that's fantastic. Um, I also agree about one shots. I think that having a one shot is a really good way to like no strings attached. It's it's like a friends with benefits situation. Like you just sort of do it, and then you move on. Um, did you just encourage grinder one shots? Is that what you just did? If there was a grinder for one shots, Eric, I would be on that fucking app so fast. Pardon me, <laughs> I would be on that, that app actually so would be quick. a really great app. Yeah. Um, Somebody should make that, right? Make some money. Um, I will say though, what I discovered myself, and something I've suggested to a couple of people who at least one of them did it and was like, you know what? This made me feel a little more comfortable about the idea. Solo RPGs, which I know that you have mm-hmm. um, sort of been dabbling in as well recently. Um, if you're really nervous about doing this in front of people, which I know is kind of a big anxiety that everybody has. A lot of people have at the beginning. There are a ton of like solo RPGs that are like a page. They last like an hour or two. It's a little stressful because like you kind of have to do all the reading and stuff yourself. But like it'll get you into the into the headspace and and the mindset of like what it's like to do a tabletop RPG to see if you really like can sort of like break that anxiety a little bit more before getting into it. Um, so if like you're really really nervous about it, feel free to check some of those out because I've seen some really good ones out there and I've checked out a couple and like it it sort of brought even me having now played i didn't realize by the way i was going to be the veteran when when we walked in here i didn't think that was going to be the case um, <laughs> but um even then it helped me sort of like change my mindset about like certain thoughts and stuff and 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 
things that I do now. So like, it's kind of a cool, like little mental exercise to get you into the space of that. Um, and I think for me, I mean, I, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of power by the apocalypse games. I will in the show notes, I'll have links to a couple of different games. Um, I know power by the apocalypse, like uh, monster of the week, which we've talked about. It runs on that. You've got masks, which is about angsty teen superheroes. Um, there's one called monster heart Two, which is, literally kind of playing these monstrosities in high school. And it's all about kind of parallels of like puberty and like dealing with trauma and, and some of that. Um, I know that there, uh, there's a glitter hearts, which is like a sailor moon adjacent one. Um, and a few others that as well, but like any thirst, uh, thirsty sword lesbians is another one. So like, those are ones like everything's got a playbook. Everything's built on the same system. It's, it's easy to bounce from one to the other. So it opens up a lot of windows if you're trying to like play stuff. Um, but I think I will, also add, so I'm saying something different than than what, every, what other people have said. Um, I do think, like, if you are somebody who does want to play D&D, because I know, not that we've been, like, bashing on it, but I think we've been kind of talking about, like, things that are better than or might be more accessible than D&D at times, there's a ton of, like, pre-built module one-shots for D&D that come with pre-gen characters that have a story that somebody can run. Um, I don't remember the name of it offhand because I'm, I don't have it in front of me. I will try and put it in the show notes if I can find it, but I have one that's literally like, it's like a gay D and D adventure. Like one of the character, like one of the playable characters they make for you is like a drag queen work, I think. Um, so like it plays around and like, and it's something that you, you get the character sheet. You don't have to make anything. You don't have to build anything. So all you can focus on is the storytelling and getting familiar with the mechanics of the game. Um, so some of those can be really nice if you do want more of that crunch in the game. Because I know for some people that is the enjoying, like that is the like the big enjoyment factor. Um, Josh and I in the group that we're in, um, we were trying to figure out what to play next after we wrapped up our Curse of Straw game. And there were a couple of people who were like, I really like crunchy games. Like I really like the, the to being able to build stuff out and spend the time. And so like that's some people's play style and trying to figure out what what yours is. I think both Powered by the Apocalypse or like a D&D pre-made module with a character sheet and everything for you, usually at like a third or fourth level, gives you both of those flavors to figure out what your play style might be or what you might be looking for a little bit. Um, so on that note, let's do, um, we'll do a little, well, that, oh, go I, for it, do it. Can I be a question? Can I, can I be a show real quick? Um, so, I mean, I, I work at the uh, public library system here in New York. And one of the things I will say is like, and I don't think we've mentioned this when we talk, talked about like starting games. One of the things sometimes is like space. Like you need, like, a, like people may not have space in their apartment or be able to host and stuff like that. Is I would always say, check out your local libraries or community centers for like, sometimes they have, like we, we stock D&D stuff. We have dice and stuff. We have rooms you can rent out, and that's also it's a good place to actually find games that are beginner friendly for people as well. Is like sometimes you don't know where to where to look. You might not have friends who do it. You may have one or two or interested, but you need a party of four or five. I would always say check out the library's website. Check out any resources they may have. Like again, even checking out the books, the D and D get um guidebooks from the libraries and stuff like that is a great resource. So you don't necessarily need to invest your money in case you don't like it. Um, so yeah, that's just one of the things I know we, it was one of the things we hosted during the pandemic and we still do in person. It's a fantastic little service. So, yeah, I think, and, and to build off of that, before we go to sharing our, our socials and whatnot is look, if you live in a, if you live in an area where there are game stores, you have game shops or places where they're like people, sometimes they host events 
Um, I know if you're a new player, and especially depending on the identities that you might hold, it might be overwhelming or a little anxiety driven to like show up to a space with like complete strangers and play a game. Um, but again, I think those could be good spaces to learn things. And I will say when I've gone and done those as like a on my own without any friends with me, again, that those that key phrase at the beginning of like someone talking about the safety tools. When that when the DM started with that, I was like, okay, I'm good at this table. Like this person is outlining rules. They're asking for pronouns. They're like, they're being cognizant of the people that are around the table. And I think that put me at ease enough that I could feel like I could play the game. Um, but that's another great space. If you're, if you, you know, you're like me when I started, where I was like, I want to play a game and didn't have anybody to play with. Um, that can be some great places to like meet folks. So checking out your public libraries, checking out like game stores in your area. Um, yeah. All right. Um, socials and internet and if you would my, my question is always for the the folks that have not been on the pod before so if you would like to be found on the internet where can people find you and if you don't want to be found on the internet it's okay to say i don't want to be found on the internet because the internet is a dumpster fire most days <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean every time we record i'm like if twitter still exists by time this episode goes up <laughs> so um i'll just i'm gonna go down the line on the as kind of I see people. So uh, Chad, if you want to be found, where can people find you? Sure. I do want to be found. Um, so desperately be found. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, you can find I just me heard on... Dear Evan, I just heard Dear Evan Hansen. I, did, and I will be found in my head. Oh, God. <laughs> it is so bad. I just have bed plats singing in my head now, and it's terrible. Yeah. I just fell out of a tree <laughs> and broke my arm. Um, so I... Uh, <laughs> I would love to be uh, found uh, on Twitch. You can find me on Twitch. I, I do a lot of um, charity streaming there as well as variety gaming. Um, I uh, am on the channel CW underscore gaming. You can find me and you can find me on nearly every other social with that same name as well. Um, and yeah, I uh, spend a lot of time doing that. Um, and if you're ever in my local area that I'm not going to give out here on uh, the podcast, uh, I, you might see me performing locally too. So come say hi if you do. The chances are very slim. <laughs> All right, uh, Matt. Uh, you can find me on Twitch uh, playing horror games and doing some charity stuff over the next few months as well uh, at The Final Counselor, all one word, uh, or at uh, Twitter with just Final Counselor, or uh, you might be hearing my voice in some audio dramas and some other uh, podcasts very soon. Uh, oh, that makes it, but especially the, 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 the lovely Queer XP. <laughs> yeah you're you're literally on the next episode so so weird um all right josh um well i don't have uh streaming socials so much um but uh you can definitely find me on the basic socials uh just my name josh montanero um or you can find me on uh uh the queer xp here whenever uh eric decides to let me grace him with my presence um you're but, also you know, on the next episode <laughs> I know. <laughs> huh. That's why I said it. Uh, uh, all right. And Earl, where can people find you if you'd like to be found? Um, like you said, if Twitter's still around, uh, most of my social handles are the same, which is break a bone. And this is break B R E A K. It's sad that I had to think about that, but I know sometimes people think of the car break. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I don't even update it that much, but if you ever want to see a bunch of terrible movie drinking games, you can also find my website, nerdsontherocks.com. And we have done something like 300 bad movie drinking games. It is one of my favorite activities in the world. Um, so yes. Thanks. Um, and as always, you can find the the queer experience at the queer XP on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and next week's episode, 
is a game I'm super pumped about. It's a Kickstarter I backed what feels like forever ago because we've all lived through a pandemic and that feels like forever. Um, but it's called Extreme Meat Punks Forever. That's it so is mech, mech battle suits made out of meat. It is gay and you get to punch Nazis. And God. I don't know what else I could possibly need to say in order to get someone to listen to that. Um, but I'm super, super excited. Um, I actually got to do an interview with the creator of that game um, on my friend's podcast, The Pot of Blunders, um, Heather Flowers, who helped make that game, and and a couple others um, chatted with me for a little while, and they were great, and it was a great interview. So I'm super pumped to be able to, to run the game. Um, so next week for our two-part series, it will be Extreme Meat Punks Forever, featuring two of your panelists here today, Matt and Josh. Uh, along with some other familiar voices from other games we run before. So with that all being said, thank you so much, everybody, for joining. Thank you to people who are listening. I appreciate all of you and have a good rest of your week.